So I want to I want us to look at the life of Eric Liddle, and we are going to learn four lessons about running your race well from Eric's life. Okay, so the first lesson we learn from Eric's life is this: he ran his own race well. He ran his own race well. Now the Bible says that we are all like runners in a race. The Bible says, don't you realize that in a race, everyone runs, but only one person gets the prize. Each one of you has been given a particular race to run, particular gifts to use, particular purposes by God to fulfill in your life that nobody else can, but only you can. And one of the things we learned from Eric's life is that he ran his race well with the gifts that God had given him. Because right from an early age, Eric discovered that he was an incredibly brilliant sportsman. He was one of those kids, you know those kind of annoying kids in school that was good at every single sport? Anyone have one of those? Well, Eric was that guy, okay? He was, he was good at everything. He was good at cricket. He was good at tennis. He was good at rugby. He was good at running. And in fact, as he grew up, he was so good at many, many different sports, he couldn't decide which one to choose. But he knew that God had given him a gift and he wanted to use it. And so what he started off doing was playing rugby for Scotland. So he was in the Five Nations Championship. He, in fact, he won the Five Nations Championship playing rugby for Scotland. He was an incredibly fast winger, and he won incredible um, accolades playing for Scotland at rugby. But there came a point in his life where he realized that rugby wasn't really his thing, but sprinting. Sprinting was the thing that he really, really excelled at. And in fact, so much so that he quickly became an Olympic prospect. And he was considered for the 100-meter sprint at the Olympic Games. And he was given the name, the Flying Scotsman. If people talked about Eric Little, they talked about the Flying Scotsman because he was like the Usain Bolt of Great Britain in his day. He was incredibly, incredibly quick. And he was once quoted as saying this, God made me for a purpose but God also made me fast. And when I run, I feel his pleasure. And that's the thing about when you run your race, the thing that God has given you to do, it might not be sports, it might be something else, some other gift, some other purpose. But when you run the race that God's given you, you feel the pleasure of God because he made you unique, special for a purpose. And when you run that race, you feel the pleasure of God when you do what he's called you to do. And Eric, when he ran, he had a very, very unusual sprinting style. So Eric wasn't like a streamlined Usain Bolt. Apparently, his arms would flap everywhere. And then usually about halfway through the race, his head would go back. He would look to the heavens, and he would open his mouth wide. And that was his running style. But people always knew at that moment when he was going to go that extra little bit fast, his head would go back. He would look to the heavens and he would overtake the pack. There was one story where in a race, a competitive race, he was knocked off the side of the racetrack very early on in his race. He fell to the side and all the other competitors sprinted past him. But he quickly got himself off the side of the track, got himself back on the track and began chasing after the other seven competitors. Everyone thought he was completely out of the race. But gradually he began to overtake one after another, after another, after another, until there were only two men ahead of him. One of the men in the stands turned to his friend and said, he is never going to make it. He's never going to win. To which his friend replied, ah, he's not even put his head back yet. You just wait. 
And sure enough, he stuck his head back to the heavens and he outsprinted the two guys. He won that race. He was an amazing, amazing sprinter. One commentator put it like this. He said, in my half-century connection with Scottish sports, I've met many famous athletes. But I state in all honesty, I don't remember my first view of anyone as vividly as my first sight of Eric Liddell. I saw Eric run for the first time and was completely thrilled. Off to a slow start, he ran with blazing speed, chin up, head back on shoulders, and his arms threshing the air. Dreadful style, said the cynical critics, but his space-devouring legs raced on a straight path to the tape. And to me, he typified the speedrunner, putting all his strength into his effort to gain victory. Eric ran true to his race. God made him fast. And when he ran, he felt God's pleasure. Amazing. So secondly, here's the second lesson that we learn. Is that Eric ran for Jesus first. On your marks. Just checking. Okay, he ran for Jesus first. Because Eric was not only a very fast runner, he was a committed Christian. He loved Jesus with all his heart. And in fact, he loved Jesus so much that he believed, if I put Jesus first, even above my desire to be a famous and competitive athlete, Jesus is going to honor and bless my life. And there came this moment as he was approaching the Olympic Games. Everyone was expecting him to compete and win the 100 meters. But he found out that the 100 meters was going to be run on a Sunday. Oh no, I hear you cry. And Eric decided, I've got a choice. Either I want to run and win a gold medal or I want to put Jesus first on a Sunday. And he made the incredibly brave decision. Jesus is actually more important to me than winning a gold medal. And he said, I'm not going to run in the 100 meters. I'm not even going to take part because it's more important for me to be with my church family on a Sunday morning. Isn't that amazing? And when he made that decision, all of the British press absolutely tore Eric apart. They labeled him a traitor. They wrote um, uh, massive accusations against him. They said, how can you choose God over the King of England? You could win a gold medal for the King of England, but you're choosing God instead. How can you do that? You're a traitor to your country. And he had to take that flag on the chin. Here's the question for you. Where are you putting Jesus first in your life? Where are you putting the priority for him above other things that may be important in your life, but actually interfere with him having first place in your life? Matthew 6 says this, But first be concerned about his kingdom and his approval. Then all these other things will be provided for you. Sometimes we feel like we have to grasp for things. But actually the Bible says you put Jesus first. Seek him and his kingdom and what has his approval And he'll take care of all the rest anyway. What does that look like for you in your life? Where are you putting him first? And amazingly for Eric, after he'd made this decision, he actually qualified for a different event, the 400 meters in the Olympic Games. It wasn't his main event. He wasn't expected to win, but he qualified. And so off he went to the Olympic Games to run the 400 meters. He was up against two world record holders, two men who were expected to beat him. Eric was a sprinter. He was expected to burn out. This was his strategy. 
He said, I run the first 200 meters as hard as I can. And then for the second 200 meters, with God's help, I run even harder. It's a good strategy, eh? Basically, I'm just going to sprint my jolly little heart out and hope I don't run out of puff. And I'm going to trust God for that. And he made it to the 400-meter final in the Olympic Games. Again, nobody expected him to win. And just before he was about to run his race, his trainer handed him this note. And it was from 1 Samuel 2.30. And it simply read this. Those who honor me, I will honor. Those who honor me, I will honor. And he ran the race clutching those words in his fist. Would you like to see the race? I'm not going to show you unless you make me. Would you like to see the race? Okay. All right. Well, we're just going to watch a two-minute clip. Eric is running on the outside lane, which is the worst lane in the Olympic final. But here's what happens. Amazing. Love that clip. When you honor God, he honors you. That's just how it works. And that's what we learned from Eric. Thirdly, we learned that he ran his race with incredible humility. Because not only did he win the gold medal, he also set a new world record that day. It was an amazing, amazing achievement. And when he returned to Britain, he came home to incredible applause and adulation. Everyone wanted a piece of Eric Little. But one of the remarkable things about Eric was his humility and how quickly he was to point back to Jesus. And one person wrote this in a magazine. He said, 99 men gifted with Eric's prowess would now be insufferably swollen-headed. But here we have the hundredth man. Here is a man who hates praise and shuns publicity, yet is deserving of both. Here is a man with a mind of his own and not afraid to voice his most secret feelings on a platform if by doing so he thinks it will help other people. Here is a man who has courage and who delights to accept a challenge, be it for his school, his university, his country or his God. And lastly, here is a man who wins because he sets his teeth quietly but firmly and always plays the game. Everyone is fond of Eric. And you know, the testing that you receive when you win is just as severe as the testing you receive when you lose. Proverbs says a man is tested by the praise that he receives. And one of the things that we learned from Eric is that he was very, very quick to point the finger to the one who is the author of it all, Jesus. And you know, true biblical humility is not thinking less of yourself. It's thinking of yourself less often. I don't know if you got that. Biblical humility is not thinking less of yourself. It's not having false humility. It's understanding that God made you great. He made you for a purpose. He made you a son and a daughter. But humility is thinking of yourself less often. It's putting other people before yourself. And then lastly, the last lesson we learn from Eric's life is that he ran with incredible courage. Because no sooner had he won his gold medal that he decided he would jack in his Olympic career and become a missionary to China. (laughs) 
He decided, that's it, I've, I've, I've done my time in sport. I'm now going to preach the gospel in China. I'm going to set up mission statements, stations. I'm going to serve the poorest of the poor in China, which is what he did. And he moved to China at an incredibly dangerous time. There was great unrest. World War II was brewing. There was great unrest between Japan and China. Uh, the Japanese would regularly try and make incursions at Chinese provinces. The British government time and again said to Eric Little, you have to get out of the country. It's far too dangerous. And they said, we'll, we'll give you an armed guard to go with you wherever you go in China to look after you. But Eric was apparently said to have said this, I prefer to rely on God than a gun. And he refused an armed guard. And he went around China preaching the gospel, serving the poor. But then eventually in 1943, Eric was taken captive by the Japanese. He was put into a Japanese prisoner of war camp in a province in China where there were terrible, terrible conditions. He was beaten. There was little food, filthy, filthy conditions, great poverty. He was surrounded by death. But even in the prison camp, Eric became known as the leader. He was the one who settled disputes. He was the one that broke up fights. He was the one that distributed food evenly amongst the poor. He was the one that people went to. He was the one that taught children. He was the one that started Bible studies. He was the one who went the extra mile in camp. He was known as the peacemaker, even in the prison camp. But then there came a moment where he was very, very ill. And yet even in his illness, he was affecting those around him. One man, Stephen Metcalf, who was a campmate of Eric, said this. He said, Eric gave me two things in camp. One was his worn-out running shoes. Just imagine that. Those shoes that had won the Olympic gold medal. <laughs> but the best thing he gave me was his baton of forgiveness. He taught me to love my enemies, the Japanese, and to pray for them. And Winston Churchill heard that Eric was very ill, and he arranged a swap of prisoners, a Japanese prisoner for Eric Little. He arranged his release, but when Eric found out that Winston Churchill had secured his release, he refused the place and instead gave it to a pregnant lady in the camp, saving both her and her unborn child. He said, they, they need the space more than I do. Do you know, Eric lived his life with incredible courage, Courage to show compassion, courage to forgive, courage to trust God, even in greatest difficulty. He ran with courage. And if you want to shape history, if you want to make history, you're going to have to be a man or woman of courage. What in your life right now requires courage? Because without it, we won't shape history. And yet with it, we can do what Eric Little did and shape the times in which we live. Eric died on the 21st of February, just a few months short of the liberation in that particular camp. And he was given a grave. It was a simple wooden cross with his name written in black shoe polish, Eric Little. He died in humility, in serving Christ right to the end. Little once said this. He said, we are all missionaries. Wherever we go, we either bring people nearer to Christ or we repel them from Christ. What kind of life are you living? Do you know to be a missionary, you don't need to move to another nation. You're a missionary right on your doorstep. Every day you're a missionary where God has placed you. Is your life attracting people to Christ or is it repelling them from him? 
What does it look like for you to live the kind of life that Eric lived, where you point to Christ alone? And I'll finish with Eric's words. He said this, Circumstances may appear to wreck our lives and God's plans, but God is not helpless among the ruins. God's love is still working. He comes in and takes the calamities and uses it victoriously, working out his wonderful plan of love. Eric was a history maker. Isn't that amazing? Why don't we just quickly bow our heads. I'm going to pray for us, and then Wendy and the team are just going to bring a few words, and we're going to pray for a few people. Father, we thank you so much this morning that you've called us to make history in our time, in our day, in our age. We thank you for men like Eric Liddell, who ran their race well, who ran with humility, who ran with the gifts that you'd given them, who ran courageously. God, help us to do the same. God, help us to run the race that is marked out for us with great perseverance. God, whether we're very young or very old, Holy Spirit, we say we are... We are yours, and we want to quickly point the worship to Jesus in all that we do. Father, help us to run in the lane marked out for us. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.